Today is Thursday, January 28th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 393, featuring Boston Celtics reporter and director of digital content Mark D'Amico, is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag and use the promo code CLNS50 for your 50% sign-up bonus. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Another nice new edition of Celtics Beat here on a Thursday. Seems to be our pattern right now. I am Adam Kaufman. We are on the heels of just a a really disappointing, uh, downright terrible loss for the Celtics last night. Brad Stevens' words, at least that performance late in the first half. We'll get into it. Evan Valenti, you all know he is the producer, occasional host of this program. And, of course, Mark D'Amico, good friend of the show, Works for the Celtics, but don't worry. He is uh, he is a, f- a man free to speak his mind. You see it on Twitter all the time. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. So let's, you know, just talk about what we've seen here of late. Boston's out to a 10-7 and seven start, which is uh, by no means bad. You know, it's middle of the pack or, or toward the upper, you know, half of, of the Eastern Conference at this moment. It's not like anyone's worried about Boston going to the playoffs or anything like that, but you know, there is a little bit of mixing and matching going on, just trying to figure things out here, 17 games into the season. There were COVID concerns, obviously, that lasted for multiple weeks and multiple postponements. Jason Tatum, only recently back from that, looks no worse for the wear. He looks pretty good, in fact. There are injuries. Peyton Pritchard, who I courtesy of Evan happened to discover that I share a birthday with. So that's exciting. Happy <laughs> birthday, Peyton Pritchard. He is Happy uh, birthday, Adam Kaufman. Come on. Very much. I know. Could, <laughs> could you call Pritchard and get him available on the show for us? I already well? did. He said that he was busy though. He had a birthday party. I get it. Totally makes sense. Not that he has anywhere to go, but he is recovering from an injury. And uh, you know, last night we, we finally, despite the defensive woes, we got our first look at, you know, Boston is as healthy as it's been all year, at least that three headed monster of Tatum of Brown of Kemba all on the floor together. And of course he had smart and a whole bunch of other important players as well. But how do you feel this is shaping up here early? It it doesn't feel like it's great when you have to have your stars asked after the game. So you guys going to get it together or is, is this a sign of things to come? Well, I'm the kind of guy who likes to take a step back and take a deep breath. And this isn't like marketing Mark here. This isn't Celtics Mark talking here. This is just, if this was any team in the league, I'd say the exact same thing. If you look around the league, there aren't a lot of teams that are really running away in the standings, right? There's maybe three or four teams that are really playing great basketball right now. You look at the Eastern Conference, the Celtics were just in second place a couple days ago. They were just in first place less than a week ago. It's not like the team has been struggling all season long. So I am the, and as you just talked about, injuries you've had guys missing all season last night was the first time that they've actually had their starting five together so I'm not all too worried now if this continues as they stay healthy and they don't win at a higher clip over you know the next four to eight weeks then there's a problem Then, then you've got something to talk about but right now it's way too early for me to get caught up in this I actually was very encouraged at how That group played at the start of the game last night. It didn't seem like they were, you know, before the game, Scal and Mike Gorman were talking about they didn't want to see them, like, force the issue in terms of passing. They didn't want to overpass and say, like, oh, I'm unselfish, you take the shot. No, no, wait, I'm unselfish, too. No, you take the shot. 
that's happened in the past. That happened last season when you had Hayward in the lineup as well. I didn't see that. I saw the, the flow of the offense actually operating at a pretty high level. Defensively is a different story. The Celtics have a long way to go with that end. But offensively, I'm not worried about this team at all. Um, I think they've got plenty of shooting. It would be nice if they could add a little bit of shooting to the bench, maybe through the buyout market, maybe through a trade. Who knows what happens? Um, or if Peyton Pritchard comes back and a couple other guys get their shots flowing. But offensively, I'm not worried. Defensively is where they've got to get on track. And, you know, every team is its own entity. And, and Brad Stevens says that. I've said that forever. Every, every game is its own entity. This defensive team is very similar to the team from last year in terms of the players that are involved, but it is not operating at the same level. So that's the side of the ball where they've got to figure things out moving forward if they want to get to where they want to get to. Does that alarm you, though? I mean, I know it, I'm not going to make a big deal out of a 29-6 to 6 run because that is such an anomaly. Runs happen all well, the time. And the Celtics did it right after that. Right, right, yeah, they went like on whatever the, it happens in basketball or something like that. Yeah, but, you know, it's, that's insane, you know. So we get that, but for obviously Brad was really upset with the defense, rightfully so. Players were asked about it. Tatum Brown, they weren't happy. Again, you expect that, but with what we've seen really over the course of much of this season, defense has been an issue. And this is, you know, going back to Brad's entire tenure in Boston, defense is the calling card. Defense is the identity. At least that is the intention. Does it always unfold that way? Like you said, every team's a little bit different, talent's a little bit different. But when you have so many elite defenders, elite-level defenders on this team, Brown, Smart, Tatum is really coming to his own, among others, does it surprise you that some of the woes that, you know, have been there this season are there, or do you attribute it more to the, you know, mixing and matching in in terms of just the roster construction based on health and the like? I I attribute it less to that and more to the abbreviated preseason. Uh, And and, I mean, you look at the lineup that Brad Stevens has had on the court really for the first three to four weeks of the season, that double big lineup with Tristan Thompson starting Tristan Thompson didn't have a training camp with a brand new team, learning how to integrate himself and play with these guys. It didn't happen. So, I mean, I tweeted before the season started, look, I don't expect the Celtics to come out of the gates rolling at both ends of the court and winning a ton of games like I expected them to be maybe a little bit above 500 basically like where they are right now and that's what's happened right like when they were eight and four I tweeted it again and I was like I'm surprised that the Celtics are where they are because they've been behind the eight ball and working a new player who's integral to the defense and Tristan Thompson into the lineup Marcus Smart's working into the starting lineup he obviously he started about half his games last year a little bit more than that, uh, but this is a new team. These are new uh, pairings, especially in the front court when Tice and Thompson were out there together at the start of games. Some players were missing. So it, to me, that's the basis of this. Now, can, can they resolve that in the middle of the season is the question that needs to be answered. We haven't seen it yet. I do think that there's been more good moments lately than there were during those first few weeks. I mean, they were 20th, 25th in the league in in defensive rating. They started moving up. They dropped back a little bit last night with a couple issues, but that's the question that needs to be answered. Can they iron this stuff out in the middle of the season when they don't have a ton of practice time? Brad Stevens might need to put a little bit more emphasis, and I'm not telling him to do this, but he's done this in the past. He might emphasize shoot-arounds and practices more then games, maybe for a couple of weeks to try to get this stuff ironed out on the practice floor. Who knows? But that, that's the end they got to concentrate on, no doubt. Brad likes you. You might listen. Uh, I don't think he's going to listen to me. No. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just that. a hunch. Yeah. Just a hunch. Brad's been doing well not listening to any of us for, for his entire tenure. Of no coach. question. I think he's doing all right. I'm going to let Brad take the, the, the reins on this one in terms of figuring stuff out. But, you're, you know, the, this is this – is, Mark's right. What, what's been nice is offensively it looks like this team is going to be a, a real threat. You know, you look at how Kemba's looked – in the short time he's been back. And, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say he's looked better than ever because hasn't been here that long. And early Kemba returns last season were tremendous. He looks very good, very healthy. That knee looks healthy. great. Healthy is the word you got to say, right? Like he looks healthy making his moves. And I don't think any of us are going to question if he's going to be able to find his rhythm shooting the ball, right? Like right. he's been doing it for way too long to, to think that's not going to happen. Yeah. And what's, what's the bigger issue, and it's not really an issue, it's just, again, ironing things out kind of getting back to this theme of ironing things out defensively they need a lot of work and we all know that but also offensively they're doing pretty well on the offensive side of the ball even though guys are sort of in different roles this year and I've kind of made, I made this point for the past month about how you know the way this team is now offensively structured is new to everybody right you know Jalen has ascended to this whole new status of like is he a 1a is he a 1b like but he's a one something or a high end two in terms of the 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 pecking order in your offense and right now he's all nba yeah i mean he really is he's he's some of the stuff and i mean last night you saw the pass that he attached baseline on the right side and the wraparound pass to grant williams in the corner i mean where the hell has that been i mean that's how about how about the dish to daniel tyson the final 40 seconds to tie the game up Exactly. I mean, that's the stuff that the, the next level stuff that we're seeing on Jalen Brown has just been tremendous. And Jason Tatum, I mean, he had a skip pass. I think it was, was it to Neesmith in the right corner the other night? The one-handed, uh, yep. just, you know, and I, no, it's Javante. It's Javante in the corner. It was like, it was like okay, if, I mean, the C's are going to start doing this. And Tatum and Brown are going to start doing this kind of stuff. It changes what this team looks like because not, it's not just Kemba Walker handling the ball at the point of attack. It's not just Marcus Smart handle the ball the point it's it's now getting Jalen and Jason into in, uh, integrated in that particular part of it and then running guys off that like you imagine what this offense mark might look like if you have Jalen and Jason you know operating the ball and Kemba's like flying around off screens off ball somewhere I mean this is going to be really interesting so to, to back up what Marcus said offensively even this team isn't what it's going to be yet and they're pretty successful already right now considering they've been banged up, you know, variously throughout the season. Kemba's not playing back-to-backs. He's not playing his full minutes load yet. You know, Tatum just got back from COVID. They just got Rob Williams back. Pritchard, who's been just tremendous, uh, is, you know, sidelined for a couple of weeks. This team is still figuring out who it wants to be, what it needs to be. And we haven't even talked about Romeo Langford yet, who hasn't even seen the floor. So. He's going to help defensively when he comes right. back. That, that kid can defend right now. He, I don't think he's going to really move the needle offensively. He can score. Um, we all know that seeing him in his days at Indiana and then early on in his, season, in his career with the Celtics, he can score a little bit, slash into the basket and whatnot. Uh, and that's where he's going to be valuable offensively is off the ball. Um, but defensively is where he can move the, move the needle. And the thing I want to say, Evan, about the offense is that, that this offense is going to be different than what we have seen from the Celtics in years past, right? Like Brad Stevens has always been about and not to say that pace is not important, but he's always been about multiple dribble handoffs. You've, you've got to get misdirection within the defense, run them through multiple screens. Well, now they have two and really three, if you count Kemba when he really gets back to his, hit the full swing of things. You have three elite playmakers with the ball in their hands. I think we're going to see a lot more pick and roll. 
and a lot more isolation. We've seen that early on in the season. And some people out there, be it broadcasters or writers, whatever, fans, some people have had concerns with that. Name names, Mark. I'm not yeah. going to name names. <laughs> I'm not going to name names. But <laughs> but I, I don't think that's a problem, right? Like, it's not what you're used to with the Celtics, but I don't think it's a problem because great teams run through their great players. You don't see LeBron James and Anthony Davis sharing the ball and scoring 15 to 20 points a game. That doesn't happen. The, the offense runs through them. A lot of it is isolation, and they let those guys make plays doing what they do best. Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, and now Jalen Brown are great at making plays in isolation right now. So I don't think it's a problem. I think they're going to be fine. Uh, I do think, though, that they're going to be they're going to need to be able to revert to that ball movement if and when the offense gets a little stale within a game. Right. They sure they can be isolation heavy or pick and roll heavy, but they've got to be able to if that doesn't work, they've got to be able to function with that ball movement and mentality that Brad Stevens has run over the previous seasons just to get themselves out of, out of a dry funk, which hasn't happened too often this season, but it's, it's going to happen from time to time. Building on what you're both talking about, and I'm not saying the Celtics won't get there, don't have time to get there, can't get there, any of that. I'm sure they will and can and should and blah, blah, blah. But with regard to Kemba, as Evan noted, you know, he's not playing back-to-backs all season. He's nowhere near even playing – 35 minutes a game, let alone, you know, going up and over that. And he's not going to hit 30. Brad said yesterday, he's not going to hit 30 for another few weeks. Right. So it's going to be a while, obviously. And that's if everything stays on schedule. Do you worry about them getting to where they want to be sooner than later, or all of that being elongated, just the process of it, because it's going to take time to ramp up. Isn't the right word, but put Kemba with regard to a lack of restrictions where you want him to be. I would be worried if Jalen Brown didn't look like Jalen Brown looks right now, mm. right? Like if, if Jalen Brown was the Jalen Brown from two years ago or, or even last year and, you know, to his defense, he has made it clear this season. He's like, I've been able to do this stuff. I haven't been asked to do this stuff. I'm just right. asked to do it this year. So in his defense, maybe it was in his bag last season, but we're finally seeing it. If he was playing with the same, um, you know, the same type of play on a nightly basis as last season, I would have some concerns because you need to have that second and third banana. And if Kemba wasn't going to be there until let's say April or, or something along those lines, late March, whatever, um, then you've got a problem, but I, I don't really see it, see it as an issue. I think he's going to hover around 30 minutes and that's not too far off of what he probably would average. Anyway, he would probably average 32 maybe 33. So if he's at 28 or 29, maybe 30 on a nightly basis, that's not that big of a deal, right? That's not that big of a difference. Now, if the Celtics go into an overtime or double overtime game, he's already used up. Okay. Then you've got to ride Jalen and Jason um, to, to the final buzzer, but I don't think it's that big of a problem. Again, defense is what they need to figure out. Kemba Walker is not a, a defensive cog for them, right? So he, he's an offensive guy. They've got to figure out the defense and, and most importantly, the interior of that defense. And, and that is going to rely heavily upon the big guys, Tice, Thompson, and Rob Williams. With Jalen. And Grant Williams. 
Yeah. With Jalen, uh, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, well, maybe I'm quoting it directly, but I don't remember. So I'm paraphrasing something that uh, our guy, Jared Weiss, another friend of the program, tweeted out the other day, which I just thought was kind of funny and also true, which was, you know, boy, Jalen Brown has been shooting unsustainably well for a sustainable amount of time. <laughs> you know, he is now at this point in time, as we sit here, 52% from the field, 44% from three-point range, and 77% from the free-throw line, which should not be ignored with regard to Jalen Brown, obviously where he was once upon a time. He's shooting very well. Going off of what you were just saying with you know, him saying that this has always you know, been something he could do but wasn't asked to do, I, th- I think it's interesting, especially listening to some of these post-game zoom conferences because anyone can dial into these people that wouldn't ordinarily be at games case in point last night yet rachel nichols who of course prominent nba reporter host who was in this post-game zoom and asking jalen about these very things you know why basically did we not see this last year and he sort of said what you just said although you know while respectfully he's gotten because he's been asked about this now multiple times in recent weeks he's just because of how well he's playing and he's gotten a little defensive about it which you can understand because you know now it it went from almost seeming like a compliment to now he's sort of offended by it (laughs) you know were you guys not taking me seriously I mean what is happening right now and so he is you know he had said last night I you know I I, there was no offseason I didn't even touch a ball for a month like I didn't work on anything so to speak I'm doing what I did last year plus having more of an opportunity so I'm doing more of it where I will take a you know a gripe with that and and you know I defer to you because you dive more into into tape than I do with uh with regard to all this stuff and often sit down with these players going over it at least Mm pre-pandemic you know the now it's all virtual yeah the the playmaking that we've seen from Jalen Brown this year, I'm sorry, Jalen was not there last year. That, that that was not there. And and I don't want to, it would be crass for me to say the ability wasn't there because that just seems ridiculous, but you know, it's one thing to be shooting better and more efficiently on more attempts per game and having a larger role in the offense. That's different than playmaking. Why is it playmaking that we are seeing this year and all those great passes that Evan noted earlier was not there in the past, but is there now? Yeah, this is the exact same thing that went through my head last night when I heard that interaction with Rachel. And Rachel, you know, it's a good question. Like, you want to know why these things are happening now and they didn't happen in the past? From Jalen's perspective, it's because he wasn't asked to do those things. When I'm watching the games, like, I I totally respect what he says, and and I'm sure that maybe if he was in this role last year, maybe we would have seen this earlier. But that doesn't mean that he hasn't improved. Like, Mm -hmm. Jalen Brown has gotten better at playmaking. He is seeing the floor better. The game is slowing down for him. There's no question about that. And that happens for every player as they get older and go year by year by year into their career, right? Like he's another year in. Yes, there was no off season. Yes, they were just playing in September. But that doesn't mean that when the next season starts, visually, you are not seeing the game at a higher level. And that to me is what's happening with Jalen. He's just seeing things that he he wasn't seeing in the past, or he's seeing them just a little bit earlier to be able to make those plays for other guys um, and not force shots and be able to, to take the right angle to finish or be able to make that one extra dribble to be able to set up the teammate for the dish. Th- these are the little things that are a part of his progression this season that, again, like, yes, as you said, the ability was there in the past, but we didn't see it all the time. And so that's what I think is just, he's just seeing the game 
at a higher level. He's thinking the game at a higher level and the game is slowing down for him because he's getting used to, and he is used to at this point, based upon the way he's playing, having the ball in his hands, the amount that it is. Yeah. It's, and it's all about role, right? It's about, you know, Hayward leaves and vacates this role. They didn't need Jalen to do those things last year because they already had too many guys, you know, it's like too many cooks sort of thing. You have too many guys trying to handle the basketball. You know, nobody gets in real rhythm here. I mean, Gordon Hayward last year was tremendous at being a facilitator, still is. Um, but, you know, when he leaves the team, there's an opportunity for someone to step up. And obviously Jalen is taking that by the reins. But Mark's absolutely right. It's, it's about him being comfortable on the floor. And he doesn't look like he's in a rush anymore to get to things and, and to, to see things and to process things. You know, it's, it's more about – and the one thing I like about Jalen is, is how he hunts – for his spots on the floor, he knows where he's most comfortable. He's obviously super comfortable as a mid-range jump shooter right now because he's owning that particular portion of the court. And what's happening? He's the is, league leader right now. Yeah, of, of all players, all players that are taking at least two shots in the mid-range per game, he's far and away the leader in, in field goal percentage right now. And what's happening is, is he gets into the paint and gets to where he needs to be. He's noticing and reacting to what the defense does to him. You know, he commands more attention now. And what that allows is for other people to get open just for a split second. And Jalen, give him credit, instead of forcing it up and trying to score all the time, he's just taking what the defense is giving him and finding guys that are open. And credit guys that are knocking down shots. I mean, I thought it was ridiculous. You know, I, a friend of mine had told me earlier in the year, that like, oh, Jalen's going to average five assists this year. And I was like, that's hysterical. Like, I, I don't know. Jalen's never going to average five assists this year. Well, every game he, he gets pretty darn close. And he's in that three, four. If I had five assists last night against yeah. San Antonio, I mean, he's right there. And it's just about him being comfortable and, it's, you know, in seeing everything that he needs to see and, and, and reacting to what the defense does. He's not forcing anything. He happens to be a good shooter. He happens to know how to get guys in position and take advantage of them. And he's just making the most of his opportunities right now. And it's, it's, it's tremendous because, you know, between him and, you know, Jason, Jalen's a guy that tends to make his, you know, leap in the off season, so to speak. And Tatum is a guy usually that makes it while the season's happening. And what you're seeing here is, you know, with Jalen is a guy who has put in serious work every off season. And we all jokingly kind of, you know, attribute it to his grandfather, who has, you know, obviously done some work with him in terms of conditioning and the boxing workouts that we saw with him were just tremendous. But, you know, it's a credit to Jalen taking his, you know, responsibility seriously, like diving into tape, you know, working on dribbling. You know, I mean, you go back to his rookie year, he was a mess with with either hand. Now he's confident with both hands. Um, He's just, whatever he's weak at, he takes some time to address it. And the one thing that you can say about him, is you know that whatever off time that he has or whatever downtime, and this was something that people criticized him for when he was first drafted. Like, does he really love basketball? Is he too smart for his own good? Well, here we are in year five here. We all know exactly what what Jalen Brown's priorities are. And basketball is very, 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 very high on the list. And the Celtics are very fortunate, as we've all said throughout this entire you know uh, podcast so far, that he has taken the leap that he has because without it, they're in serious trouble because, you know, they're, they're, they don't have, you know, a 25, 26 per game score. And that's to have that plus the playmaking opportunities is ridiculous. Plus he's a good defender. I mean, you know, we all get mad at him for some things, but he's also a, a really good on ball defender. So, you know, Jalen is deserving the of all the praise. Here's the crazy thing about Jalen is that like last year you saw in the middle, you referenced it with Jason Tatum in the middle of the season, he started when teams started trapping him and triple teaming him and whatnot. 
he started to learn what to do in those situations. These first, this first month of the season is the first time Jalen Brown has ever been put in this role in the NBA. And he's already playing at this level. He's only going to get better. Like as, as he continues to play in these situations, teams continue to send a double team at him or, or a trap, whatever it may be. Brad Stevens always says, oh, they've, they've thrown the whole uh, the kitchen sink at him in terms of yeah. Tatum, in terms of everything you could do to defend him has been done. So he's seen it and he recognizes it. Jalen Brown is going to get to that point this season, and then he's going to get even better because he's going to learn about what to do in those different situations. So it's crazy to me that he is where he is right now, averaging 27 points and about four assists per game, shooting the way that he's shooting, making plays for others. And this is really the first month that he's ever been in this role. Like he's only going to get better. And that's a scary, scary thing to think about. He might not shoot at this level, but in terms of the way that he's reading the defense and whatnot, it's only going to get better going forward. Folks, are you ready for some football? You should be. There's only one place that has you covered, one place we trust. That is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. Lines for the big game coming up a little more than a week away. Uh, it is three and a half. The Chiefs are favored over the Bucks. Does Tom Brady get lucky number seven, the number that apparently he was willing to wear for Tampa Bay before Chris Godwin, understandably, uh, you know, gave it up. Uh, Patrick Mahomes already on his way to greatness. Can he get number two back to back? We will have lots of questions, lots of prop bets, lots of odds, all great stuff coming over the course of the next week. Some fun ones for sure. So make sure you, stu- you uh, stay tuned in here this pod and elsewhere we'll give out some of our favorites some that uh, evan sent along to me earlier some fun props you got uh andy reed uh, and the mass design that's the era that we're living <laughs> in here chiefs logo minus a grand single color or no go logo uh plus 300 hawaiian themed like that plus 500 uh so that's right up there how many times will we see giselle over under one and a half color of miley cyrus's hair Blonde white, minus 125. Brown, plus 150. Red, plus 300. Purple, plus 500. This is really all stuff that you can actually wager on. There's there's so much more, too, Adam. (laughs) We're going to have more fun with this next week. You bet. We might have to just do a, you know, forget the Celtics. We'll do a whole show around prop bets. (laughs) I'm down. The Super Bowl. I'm not going prop bets. I'm not a prop bet guy. Yeah. But I'm I'm taking the over. Taking the over. over. I'm taking Kansas City. Kansas City given three and a half. Yeah, I'd be comfortable with that as well. Again, one place that has you covered, one place we trust. It's betonline.ag. Sign up today, free account, betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. It's a whole other conversation. We were talking about it toward the end of last week with Keith Smith. I, I don't know who I'm going to root for. That's, you know, that's a. I'm not betting against Tom Brady. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I, I, I don't think it's a wise decision. I don't think it's a wise decision to bet against Patrick Mahomes, okay? Like, Mahomes. He's a coming. Tom Brady, enjoy your your next six, seven, eight years of being the GOAT. Patrick Mahomes is coming. Wow. Okay. All right. We're going to have to have Mark back for the NFL. Have me back in a decade, and I'll tell you who the GOAT is. (laughs) Okay. I like that. I like the sound of that. Lord knows he's under contract forever with Kansas City. (laughs) uh, Lifetime contract. Just fill it out. Just fill the numbers out. (laughs) Yeah, short, uh, short window here still having Tyreek and Hill with them, though. So we'll see. 
We'll see how many more championships they got coming. Let's uh, get into potential championships that we hope are, are coming to Boston here. So Tatum and Brown, you know, as, as you guys well know, but for anyone that doesn't, there's a lot of conversation surrounding the all-star game in the NBA right now. And one, whether all-stars are going to be named, it seems like that is an inevitability, which by the way, it should, of course, these guys deserve that recognition. There's a debate as to whether it's going to be deemed safe enough to play the game, play an exhibition, which to me is irresponsible on the part of the NBA if they actually played this game. I think it's ridiculous. I think you're asking for a COVID outbreak, not just in one locker room, but several. But to recognize all-stars, which Tatum and Brown surely both will be and deserve to be, I'm all for that. Here's my question for you, Mark. Somebody posed this to me the other day. I hadn't really thought about it, um, but I liked the question. I thought it's a good one to bring to this show. He said, where would you rank Brown and Tatum in terms of NBA duos if you are starting a franchise tomorrow? And for me, they might be number one. They really, even without any bias, they might be number one. Here's why. If you are instantly chasing, like if you're if you're looking at it like I want to win a title in the next two years, you're you're ring chasing right away. Then of course you'd argue, you'd argue for you know LeBron and Davis. You maybe would argue for Durant and Harden. But if you are thinking about your future and starting a franchise, locking up young guys, is there anyone else that you could pick? In my opinion, no. I mean. The- I think you kind of broke it down there the right way. And this is how diff- GMs different have, have different approaches to the way they approach their teams, right? Like Toronto went for it a few years ago when they acquired Kawhi Leonard at that point. I mean, they didn't know that they weren't going to keep Kawhi Leonard, but they were pushing all their chips in and they were saying, if we win a championship, that's what we want. And if we struggle a little bit after that, because we don't have that guy there anymore, it's worth it to win the championship. There are other teams who are not necessarily in that boat, who would prefer to be sustainably competitive. The Celtics are that team right now. Mm-hmm. They, they were not willing to push in all their chips for, to, for particular players because they wanted to be sustainably great and competitive for titles. And they're in that conversation now. I, I do agree with you. And I don't know if I would have before this season, but the way that Jalen is playing now, I think forces you to say yes to that, right? Like, what better young duo is there in the NBA? There isn't one, right? Like there there are older duos that are better that could maybe get you a title in the next two to three years. And really then you're talking about the conversation of the 2007 trade and putting together the big three. Um, But, and you, you name those duos right there with Harden and Durant and then LeBron and Anthony Davis, maybe you throw Kawhi, and Paul George in there just because of where Kawhi has been. And you got to credit Paul George. He's bounced back this season. He's having a great year so far. Um, But if you're going young and you want to be sustainably competitive, there's no better choice than the choice in Boston. These guys are locked up. And as I just said with Jalen Brown, Tatum's in the same boat. These guys are only going to get better. Like they're, they are not in their prime yet. They're, They're only in the infancy stages of their career. They're, Jalen Brown's maybe a third of the way of his, through his career. Like the, the next five or six years are going to be his best years. Jason Tatum's got another three or four years until he gets to that point. So they're only going to get better. The Celtics are only going to get better because of that. It's just a matter of, do they get them over the hump? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm taking Jason and Jalen over like LeBron and AD and, 
you know, Durant and Harden right now. I mean, I'm just, I'm not going to do that considering what those guys have all accomplished. It's all about your goals, right? Do you want to win now or do you want to be competitive long-term? That's your deciding you want to win now. And and that's totally justified. I would argue that all those teams are going to be competitive for a while. I, with the way LeBron's body works, like I just, he's an alien and we all need to recognize that. (laughs) And he's probably going to play, much like Tom Brady, like later than people, you know, would, would imagine for a guy with that many miles and that much attention, you know, on both ends of the floor, you know, having Anthony Davis makes life a lot easier. And he's, you know, the, obviously you're watching the potential torch be passed from LeBron to Anthony Davis at some point in the next couple of years. And then again, Durant and, and Harden, I mean, those guys are two of the best individual one-on-one scorers in the history of basketball. So, I mean, if you're going to be behind those two particular guys or two sets of guys, there's no shame in that, right? The, the upside you have is like the, these guys haven't peaked yet, right? We've seen that as much as I hate to say this because LeBron keeps surprising me every single year, we've seen the best of LeBron, okay? He's still mm-hmm. unbelievably talented and unbelievably gifted. But, you know, the Miami Heat days were the days where he was just on top of the world and I've, you know, kind of never seen anything like him. Kevin Durant and James Harden, they're in their 30s. Um, again, two of the most prolific scorers in the history of the game. However, you know, those two guys, we've probably seen the best of those two guys somewhere else. Durant, I would say, in Golden State was just unbelievable, you know, given the combination of weapons and, you know, his efficiency was through the roof. And, of course, James Harden with Houston was was unbelievable and was very, very close to beating the Warriors to get to the NBA Finals. So, But in terms of Durant uh, – not Durant, Tatum and Brown, I mean, you look around the rest of the Eastern Conference. Just take the East. Don't worry about the West right now because you have to worry about your teams in your own conference. You look at Milwaukee and say they're very Giannis-dependent, right? And they have Middleton and Drew Holiday, and that's a nice mix. But, you know, they're very reliant on Giannis, whose ability to shoot a jump shot hasn't changed in the past couple of years. Speaking of jump shots not changing Ever. in the past couple of years, let's go to Philadelphia and talk about how Ben Simmons, same same you know draft class as Jalen Brown, still can't shoot, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the two particular favorites ahead of Boston. They have obvious problems and obvious weaknesses. The one thing that you can say about the Celtics and these two guys is they address what they're bad at. And Again, they're not my favorite duo in the league. I, and as much as I want to be a Celtics homer, they're not my favorite doing the league in terms of like trying to win championships. However, if those two are your main guys, what you're seeing is, you know, can they contend for a title the next five years? Yeah, I think they're going to be heard from in the next five years, right? As the, they continue to get better and grow with each other. What's great about these two guys, and Mark, maybe you can speak more to this, is how these, these two guys specifically fuel each other to be better. And that is a ginormous benefit to – to the Celtics in terms of like these two guys relationship, you want a, a Clay Thompson and a Steph Curry type relationship where these two guys feed off each other, they make each other better. And you can see them staying together for a very, very, very long time, provided some screw ups along the way. That's the goal. It, it's, it's, you know, having a, a Westbrook and KD before it gets dicey and before uh, you know, it seems to blow up and now everybody goes their separate ways. These two guys fuel each other to be better. And, I would assume you've probably seen that, you know, up close better than almost anybody. Yeah, and they're they're both really good guys that like each other and celebrate each other's success. And I, I don't think it's like an act. I think sometimes in the NBA and in other sports, there's a little bit of an act and maybe someone's jealous actually behind closed doors when when they're publicly saying that they're celebrating someone's success. 
these guys really do celebrate each other's success and they enjoy it. I do want to make one comment on one thing that you said, a parallel between when you were talking about LeBron in his days in Miami when that's when he was at his best. We all remember that game six in Boston. Uh, I think it was 2012, right? Mm -hmm. When LeBron discovered LeBron. It was like all of us were watching him for his entire career and there was that one thing that needed to be unlocked to take him to that next level where he was going to win a title. And it was him understanding that he couldn't be stopped. If he just put his head down and went to the rack, he was either going to score or he was going to be fouled. There is a similar level of that here in Boston that I think is still yet to be unlocked with Tatum and Brown. I'm not saying they're LeBron. I'm just saying Jalen Brown can get to the basket whenever he wants. Jason Tatum He's so shifty in the way that he gets his shots off. And you can see sometimes when he gets around the basket, he's not quite as strong with his finishes as you would like. He, he wants to really finish around people rather than creating the content. I think that those guys just have that one last thing that need to be unlocked offensively, and they're going to shoot through the roof because neither of them are taking six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 free throws a game. They're hovering around three, four, maybe five on a, on a good stretch. Mm-hmm. They need to get up toward 10, push 10, and that's going to launch them into a different stratosphere. And that, Evan, is when th- th- that duo is going to be at the forefront of the league now. Not just talking about long-term sustainability, talking about now. They're not there yet, but I think that's going to happen in the next – I mean, it could happen at some point this year. I definitely think it's going to happen at some point in the next couple years. This show here is brought to you by betonline.ag. You can go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS. See, let me try that again. Use the promo code CLNS50 when I'm not Who's this for? You're 50, it's for yeah, betonline.ag. I think you have you heard of it? Betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for your 50% sign-up bonus. Uh, important to remember. Celtics, they don't play again until Saturday, so they get uh, some time to lick their wounds after what happened in San Antonio. And then LeBron and AD, fittingly enough to this conversation, are coming to town. They'll probably both be questionable for that game, but don't worry, they'll play. It's primetime Saturday evening. And then uh, at Golden State on Tuesday, at Sacramento Wednesday, we'll probably come on back with you before that road trip continues. But very before we let you go, Mark, and, and you know end this show, this is a very important road trip, crucial road trip that is coming here on the way for the Celtics. What do you got? Five games that are on the way between uh, – you know, next Tuesday to the following Tuesday. So, you know, some tough opponents in there, the Warriors, the Clippers as well. The Jazz have been terrific. And, uh, you know, the Suns, we've seen what Devin Booker's capable of. And Sacramento has some good young talent as well. And also, you know, Kyle Draper. Yeah, no easy games, especially when Kyle Draper is involved. But no, the the thing that stands out to me about this stretch is the travel. Mm -hmm. And you never want to use it as an excuse, but it's there. And it matters. I, I've traveled with the team forever, full time. And when you're going to Chicago and then Chicago to San Antonio and then San Antonio back to Boston and then Boston out to the West Coast, that ain't easy. And it, it is going to play some role in what the Celtics do out West. Now, is it necessarily going to lead to losses? We don't know that, but it, it's going to play some role. Uh, hopefully they're going to need some depth um, to, to step up and get them through a couple games here or there. Um, but no, this, this is a critical stretch. They're, they're going to learn a lot about themselves, and they're playing against some teams that have really impressive offenses uh, that can put some points on the board. 
even when you look at uh, Sacramento, might be the worst team out of that group. Sacramento has the fastest point guard in the league in De'Aaron Fox. So Mm -hmm. if he's going coast to coast and the Celtics aren't getting back and setting their defense like Brad Stevens wants them to, the Kings are going to score. So, yeah, this trip definitely is important to them. Uh, I think that they're building in, you know, small building blocks over the last week or so. Uh, I think it's only going to continue now that they're back to full health in terms of their top players. Uh, and, and I think they're, they're going to get better. That doesn't necessarily mean wins. Um, like even last night in San Antonio, I think a lot of people think it was worse than it really was. There was a couple bad stretches, one of which might have cost them the game in the final six seconds of the first half. Um, but those are brief stretches that I think they can fix. So um, it might not lead to wins out West, but I do believe that they're going to continue to get better moving forward, in, including during this trip and starting out. Saturday against the the reigning champs. Beautiful. All right. Good place to end it. Enjoy the stretch here, folks. It's going to be busy. Some later nights, obviously, with some 10 o'clock starts. That's going to be something different. But can't wait. We'll, uh, yeah. Get, can't get can't to wait. To, I mean, usually I'm out there with them. Yeah. So I don't have to deal with the whole thing of like working on East Coast time when the team's playing out West. I, I'm not looking forward to this, guys. Like, no, this you're is... going to be up writing until two o'clock in the morning after two. This. Let's go four. Let's go four, okay? The game, the game in media isn't even going to end until twelve thirty, probably or one. So, yeah. it's they're going to be some late nights. Well, we'll I'll just reading. sleep in, right? Yeah. Well, if yes. you lose it on one end, pick it up on the other. It's not like you're going into the office. Exactly. Beautiful. Wait, the, Our- if anyone in the office heard that, don't tell anyone. Okay? I might be <laughs> sleeping in a little next week. He's D'Amico for Valenti. I'm Kaufman. Happy birthday, Peyton Pritchard. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you again real soon here on Celtics.